Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. Hey, this morning I'm happy to be continuing our sermon series, The New Life, and uh, an important scripture for us as a church. In fact, it's the reason why we are called C3 Grow is Ephesians 4.15. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That's what we are seeking to do. We are seeking to be a community of people who are growing up into this new life, which is in Christ. Now, as we read on from there, there's this really valuable section of Paul's letter in which he animates what this new life that we are to grow up into actually looks like when it's lived out. And that's what we are exploring in this series. What does this new life that we are seeking to grow up into actually look like in public? Uh, And so we've been walking through this text together. Uh, Remember what we said in our Whole Heart series earlier in the year. This year, for us, is about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's really what we're trying to do in this series. We're trying to look at Jesus and we're seeking to live in the light that he casts for us to walk in. Now, last week, Pastor Wayne led us uh, looking at Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27. And we saw how, as believers, even though anger is sometimes appropriate, even necessary, it must always be controlled. Okay? Today, we're continuing on from there. We're focusing on one verse. So we're looking at Ephesians 4, 28. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me to Ephesians 4, and we're looking at verse 28. Paul writes, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We'll read that again. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Father, we pray, come now and speak to us through your word. We believe this to be the living, abiding word of God. So come and speak to us. Open our eyes, open our ears, and give us hearts to receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Just so you know, I'll be heading to Europe this week to minister in Spain and in the Netherlands. And as always, when I go, I would benefit from and appreciate the covering of your prayers. Now, there's a couple of commands here which we're going to look at. Uh, Before we do, I wanted to say two things quickly as an aside. First, Christians have been given a great commission. We have been given a great commission. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, we often think of that primarily as a call to evangelistic witness. And it is that. No doubt about it. It is that. But it's also more than that. It is also, and equally, with at least the same amount of emphasis as I read it, it is a commission to teach people to obey the commands of Christ and also to obey the commands of Christ ourselves. So we are a part of a community who values being taught to obey Christ. What we are doing this morning is as much a part, uh, we are participating in the outworking of the Great Commission. Just as much as we would be, uh, we will be when we go out into the world and we share the gospel with our neighbors. What we are doing is a Great Commission activity. As we look to learn to obey the commands of Christ, as we look to uh, be made into his disciples, we are participating in the Great Commission. This is an important part of God's plan for you, for us, and for the world. Okay, so that's first as an aside. Secondly, uh, I want to point out that this command in our scripture for today is very similar to the command that we looked at a fortnight ago uh, in verse 25, to put away falsehood, to deal truthfully with one another. It's similar in that it is a subject that you don't often hear messages, focused sermons on. And again, it's because stealing, like lying, is something that we all generally already agree is sinful. Uh, so we might just brush over this text because, you know, as far as I know, there aren't many burglars here today. And if you are here, welcome. Please don't steal anything, but uh, welcome. It's great to have you here in church. Uh, but we might brush over this uh, because we don't feel like we need any further persuasion on this point. We don't feel as if this is really speaking to us. Just as nobody appreciates being lied to, nobody appreciates being stolen from. And so we might think, well, this is irrelevant. We, yes, yes, we already agree uh, you know, that we, we shouldn't steal. But yet again, uh, despite our societal consensus of distaste for theft, it still goes on, doesn't it? Right? Let's have a moment of honesty here. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever stolen something in your life. Look at that. I have. And so, on the basis of that, on the basis of that alone, let's not be too quick to brush the scripture off as being irrelevant. Uh, it's relevant if only because Christ gave it to us as a command to be taught, to be heeded, and to be obeyed. And it's also relevant because theft goes on more than we might usually admit. So, with that being said, let's begin by looking at all three commands together. So we're going to look at them separately, 
But notice that they are given to us together as a part of a unit. So they're presented as a progression. A progression from an old way of life to a new way of life. Okay? One, let the thief no longer steal. Two, rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Three, he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay? So, first, you could steal in order to have. You could steal in order to have. But, you would be better off working in order to have. And you could work exclusively in order to have. But you'd be better off working not only to have, but also to have something to give. Okay? Now, let's just back up, and we're going to look at each command uh, one at a time as they come. First, let the thief no longer steal. Now, there's nothing really that new or radical about this command from Paul. Moses essentially said this. Exodus 20 verse 15. Thou shalt not steal. Okay, commandment number nine. Nothing radical from Paul. However, this old commandment is given again now in the wake of something very new and radical. Remember what we saw in week one of this series, this overarching, glorious reality that hangs over every one of these commands. It's the call to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and now to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that changes everything. So Paul's thinking is this. Theft is a behavior that belongs to the old self, and we are to put off the old self. It's a part of the corruption that comes from deceitful desires. It comes from being deceived about what is truly desirable, truly good. And like all sinful behaviors, the behavior proceeds from the heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 15 verse 19. In fact, come with me uh, to see this uh, in your Bibles. Matthew 15 verse 19. Think about this. This is what Jesus said. He says, for out of the heart, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. Here we go. Theft. False witness and slander. So, Without a radical change of heart, theft 
as well as all of these other undesirable behaviours. And you can pick your poison, right? All of these other behaviours are just going to keep coming out. But the amazing thing about this new life that Paul is calling us to here is that all of it begins with a spirit-born, radical change of heart. Something happens in our heart that changes everything. Now, let me put that another way. You could read the commandments of Moses, thou shalt not steal, and go, okay, and, and try to white-knuckle your way to stop stealing, or to stop lying, or to stop committing acts of sexual immorality. You, you could do it that way. And you might do it. And that'll keep you out of jail, but it won't keep you out of hell. So, it's not just stop stealing. It's put off your old self. Put off that evil thinking, murdering, adulterous, sexually immoral, thieving, lying, slandering old self. Put it off and then instead be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Putting on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the act of putting off the old self and then putting on the new self is the act of overcoming sin by faith. And that faith pleases God. God is not just looking to modify your behavior to make you a good citizen. He's looking for you to do it a certain way, in a way that he gets the glory by faith. It's the faith that makes the greater difference, even more so than the change of behavior. So, let the thief no longer steal. Put off the old self by faith. Now build on to that. Command number two. Here we go. Next step in the progression. Rather, let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Now that's more desirable than getting by stealing. But I want to put to you that maybe this is where most Christians get stuck. A little bit better than thieving, but not the best, right? The first thing to observe here is that honest work is presented as being the antithesis, the alternative to theft. So theft is immoral and honest work is good. Okay? If you have a job, thank God for it. If you need a job, ask God for it. Work is from God. You, you, you hear sometimes work referred to as being a part of the curse of the fall. Have you heard that? Adam was given work to do in the garden before the fall. And it would have been a blessing to do it. The consequence of the fall is that work, like all of life, can sometimes be... Frustrating, sometimes be futile. But work itself 
is a gift. After all, God is a worker and God is a giver. So, honest work is good. By the way, um, a better translation, better than honest work, as the ESV puts it, might be good work, or maybe even better, work for the good. Do you see that little nuance there? Rather let him labour doing work for the good. Now, uh, I think that we have all had jobs at one stage or another, and maybe some of you, you still have these jobs, that are really just a means to an end, okay? And, and that's okay. You know, I, I worked for a number of years in one of these jobs uh, making uh, pies in East Tamaki, um, which I don't think was contributing to the overall good of society. But I think uh, that a part of what this text means for us to do is to hold up our work every once in a while and ask ourselves, is what I am doing working towards the good? Okay, the good of society, the flourishing of the people around me. And maybe uh, what this text is also saying is that uh, it should be a goal of ours to work towards being in a position and being in a place where we know that where God has us working is the vocation that God wants us to be in, doing something that truly is working towards the good. Okay? Now, please, uh, whatever you do, don't have a narrow mind as to what constitutes a God-ordained vocation. Uh, I would hate for you to uh, hear me as if what I was saying is that everybody should be aiming to uh, give up their jobs and to come down here and, and to work here. Because there are, there are so many vocations that are contexts for you to work for the good. Okay? Now, let me show you an example of this, the example of uh, Bezalel. So come with me to Exodus 31. Exodus 31. That's the second book of the Old Testament right after Genesis. Exodus 31. And from verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. To do what? To devise artistic designs. To work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. We actually hear about Bezalel and his anointing for his craft quite a few times. He had been filled with the Spirit, not to preach, not to teach, not to sing, not to lead, but rather to devise artistic designs to work in gold silver and bronze to cut stones to carve wood to work in every craft for the good some of you have been anointed just like that with trade 
in business, in graphic design. And God has you right where you are. It is highly likely, especially if you're a little bit older, it's highly likely that the field of work that you are in is a context in which you can make a contribution for the good. Okay, so let's not have this narrow mind about uh, what a God-ordained vocation might be. Okay, it very well uh, might be the vocation that you are in right now. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.